All right, everybody. Welcome to the Double Double, uh, sponsored by Indochino. Um, no, I'm just playing. So this is our first episode. Um, it's myself, Kelly Hogan. Um, David, introduce yourself. What's up, guys? David Dixon, calling from Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut. Yes, sir. Hopefully, um, in future episodes, we're going to be joined by Jordan Sears and Harry Rafferty. Um, but both of those guys right now are uh, they're trying to make dreams come true. Jordan's coaching at a uh, St. John's, and uh, Harry he's trying to he's trying to make it in the G League. So uh, we wish him the best there. And uh, Jordan St. John's just beat Marquette, so that was that was kind of a big win the other day. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna dive. And they have a big game this weekend too. Yeah, they play uh, they play Providence on Saturday, and then they play Villanova next Sunday at the Garden. So that's that's a big one. Um, you got Shamori Pons, first round NBA pick, potential lottery pick. Although I'm not, I'm not so sure on that one. Um, well, I guess we'll see. But uh, we had a pretty, pretty crazy day, Dave, with the with the trade deadline. What did you think? Well, we have to jump right into it. The the madness started days before the deadline with the with the Mavs dealing with my beloved New York Knicks. Yeah, they did. Why don't you tell the people what uh, what went down? Yeah, so uh, for those of you who didn't hear or perhaps uh, live under a rock, um, the Mavericks acquired Christoph Porzingis along with uh, throw-ins, Courtney Lee, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., who can still hoop but is uh, kind of subject of much scorn due to the contract that he signed, but uh, nonetheless. And then Trey Burke went to Dallas as well. And in exchange, the Knicks got Dennis Smith Jr., uh, DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, two future first-round picks. Um, so, Dave, what, what were your initial thoughts on this, um, you know, as a lifelong Knicks fan? Well, it was initially dread, confusion, grief, anger, acceptance. And then the realization that we just traded the best player the Knicks have had in my lifetime of 20, now one years on this planet, for the potential cap space to sign two free agents this summer. So we traded our best player for the hope that the Knicks would do something that they have never done before, which is acquire elite talent in free agency. So on the good... Yeah, I mean, 20... On the good 2010, side, though, they... Uh... 2010, Go they, for it. 2010, they went all in for LeBron and waited Bosch. We ended up with Amari Stoudemire, who lasted a half a season before D'Antoni ran him into the ground. Carmelo, you know, <laughs> says you know says that he wants to come to New York, and so we then trade our two first round picks and four best assets to go get him when he was signed in three months. So that was another great move. It's just, I mean, as a Knicks fan, you just you just come to grasp with eternal dread optimism where every year they find a way to crush your soul just a little bit more and in a way that you never thought was imaginable on the bright side though those two first round picks are big and you know you never know what the league is going to look like in 2021 or 2023 i i just have a hard time believing that luka Doncic and Kristaps porzingis are going to be on a team that has draft picks in the lottery so 
I, I don't see those picks having tremendous value. I think Dennis Smith Jr., um, he hasn't been in, in the right situation, I don't think, in Dallas. I think the Knicks probably should have drafted him the first time around because we both know uh, damn well that Frank Nitilikina, or however you say the, the Frenchman's last name, um, I'm not even sure he's an NBA player, to be honest with you. He can defend. Um, he, he cannot, he can't shoot. Um, he can, I, I mean, he can pass like, yeah, sure. Um, not, not up to the standards you'd like from a, a franchise point guard, but, um, what, what, w- what would it take the Knicks doing this summer in free agency for it to feel as though this trade was worth it? Cause if it, in my opinion, if they, let's say they signed Tobias Harris and Kemba Walker as free agents, I, I, I would rather have Kristaps and go from there because I know Kristaps is hurt and we can get into that if you want. But I, I, I just think this trade from the Knicks perspective, it makes very little sense unless they have assurances from, you know, Rich Kleiman, who's, you know, a notable guest on the Bill Simmons podcast. Um, I met him this summer. Really? How, what was that experience yeah. like? Did he uh, interrupt your... Uh, it was great. I was... Yeah. It was great. I was, you know, walking into work and I walked in one day, this little Jewish temple on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And uh, there was just these three old bald dudes hooping at the downstairs court. And they were all wearing KD gear. And I immediately recognized him as uh, Rich Klein. So I said, what's up? Said I loved his work on uh, on the Simmons pod. And, you know, he smiled, said thank you. And, you know, we just went about our, our days. But back to your main question. This trade is only worth it from the Knicks perspective if they sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving this offseason, or not even Kyrie Irving, but some combination of Durant and another marquee free agent, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Kemba Walker, using their remaining assets, maybe the number one pick, Frank, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, to maybe acquire a guy like Anthony Davis, who, you know, the Mark, Mark Stein of the New York Times is reporting that, you know, Davis wants to, would consider re-signing with, with the Knicks because it's about the same level as the Lakers. Well, as a Knicks fan, we're used to being tricked into all these players using the Knicks as a way to get teams that they're actually interested in to up their offers. But this trade's only be worth it if they sign Durant and another A-plus superstar free agent. That's it. I... I will say this, um, as someone who, you know, watches Knicks games periodically, um, you know, likes to peek my head in every now and then, see how the, the most dysfunctional organization um, in the league is, is doing. Um, this, is, this is a bold uh, statement, what I'm about to say, but I, uh, I believe it in my heart of hearts. I would rather have Markel Fultz on my team than Frank Nintilakina. So this talk of Frankie Smokes as an asset, we can stop that right now. That is, uh, that's, that's, that's just not realistic. It's delusional. Um, I'm part of the Knicks fans. Their asset pool right now essentially is Dennis Smith Jr. and their, their cap space this summer. They don't have many assets, which is why getting rid of the best asset they've had in the 21st century is, I, I don't even know how to describe the, brashness boldness and downright risk there is in i mean i don't if Kristaps doesn't want to be there 
let him let him accept let him turn down 150 million dollars or whatever it might be and play on the qualifying offer if he dare chooses before you trade him away i just i don't understand that he has he does have an injury history as you talked about he missed most of uh or the second half of last season with a torn acl and then all of this season recovering and at seven three um no one really knows how someone recovers from that type of injury so i I get the concern there but to trade him away as your only asset with no assurances as we said earlier that someone is coming makes absolutely no sense from me or from my perspective and i mean yes kevin durant was a little i'm not sure if you saw his uh his little battle with the media last night where he kind of uh he came out shots firing. Did you see that? Oh, see that? oh, I saw it. Loved every second. Yeah. He's going to love the uh, New York media. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to, I mean, the New York media these days, it's all, it's all kind of the same thing, but yeah, he'd get, he'd get torn to shreds. But I mean, I, I just like, I think we're both on the same page that that trade, unless they hit a home run this summer in free agency, meaning, you know, Kevin Durant and another superstar, if that doesn't happen, um, I, I think it's safe to say, unless Dennis Jr., Dennis Smith Jr. amounts to something special, which I think is possible, um, this trade is is pretty. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a fan, and but but from the Mavs perspective, I think it's a home run. I think pairing Luka Doncic with Kristaps, assuming he doesn't play on the qualifying offer or accept the qualifying offer, and then goes yeah, in yeah. the free agency. Um, Let I, me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. Do you believe the rumors in that he will not accept the restricted free agent and he will play on the qualifying offer? Because that's a big Dave, if an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, I'm calling. Do you really it, believe that the the rumors? I'm calling his bluff. If he coming it, off the injury, there's not a chance in hell that Christos Porzingis, at seven foot three, as I said earlier, coming off an ACL surgery turns down $150 million to play for, what is it, like a $7 million qualifying offer just so he can hit free agency the next year. As the kids say, secure the bag and worry about it later. You got to get your money, and then you can go the Anthony Davis route and say you want out. Go the route that Bradley Beal will be going down shortly, say you want out. You get the money when it's on the table. You take it. Look at John Wall. What if John Wall said no? John, John Wall would be – there's a chance John Wall doesn't he, – he, I mean, I bet he doesn't make another all-star game, and who knows what he returns the as. Achilles but, is brutal. Yeah, brutal. But, you, I mean, when, when this money is presented to you and it's that amount, you don't, you don't play games. You accept the money, and then you worry about where you want to play down the road. But – if he did that, um, I mean, I, I would have a great deal of respect for him for betting on himself, but I just do not think that would be a wise decision. I agree. I think it's all smoke and mirrors. He'll accept a big contract once he once he plays in practice with Luka Doncic, yeah. who should be an all-star, by the way. Yeah. And that's a, another. No, yeah. It's, it's, it's like a rite of passage. You can't make the all-star game in your first season um, as, as much BS as that is. Um, that's kind of the way, because you you can't tell me there's, you know, five guards. He's better than Clay Thompson this year, hands down. Better than Clay Thompson. Um, 
I mean, Damian Lillard's better than he is. We can we can go through the list if you want, but the, Luka Doncic is an all-star. If he was not a rookie, he's an all-star. And uh, the last thing I'll say on this before we move on to uh, to some of the other trades, um, the Mavs they got to go full on tank mode for the rest of the season. Close games, I do Agreed. not want. I do not want Doncic on the court right now. Their their draft pick is top five protected to um, to Atlanta. So for those of you out there who don't really understand what that means. If the Dallas Mavericks draft pick, where where they're picking in the lottery because they're not making the playoffs, is in the top five, they retain that pick. If it falls sixth through the remaining six through fourteen, that pick is sent to Atlanta. So Dallas has every incentive this season to finish with one of the five worst records and thus guarantee themselves a top five pick. Um, because if they don't, their picks go into Atlanta. And given their, I mean, I guess they're in a good cap situation. Um, getting off of Barnes's Harrison Barnes's contract uh, as they sent him to the Kings. But for the rest of the season, if a game is close, if Mark Cuban wants to, you know, step out on the court and say, Luka Doncic, take a seat, uh, I'm all here for it. Because getting, I mean, Zion, I don't really know how realistic that is, and we could talk about him later. But if you have, you know, a 10% chance at Zion to pair with KP and Luka, you do it. When you're not making the playoffs, you do yeah. it. So that, that's the last thing yeah. I have to say about that. Yeah, this trade will be judged on July you know, 8th when free agency has settled down and we know who's on the Knicks, who's on the Mavs, what guys are doing, how the draft has played out. This, this trade has the potential to be either the worst move that the Knicks have ever made or potentially, in, in a dreamer's mind, the best move that they have ever made. But moving on. The, yeah, the no, Philadelphia we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll know 76ers. the answer to that by, by July. But yeah, so the 76ers. Um, so what do you think? Uh, we can we can get the rundown. It's Tobias Harris, Mike Scott. Michael Scott's back in PA, Dave. You like that? Um, and grand baby. Boban. Cannot forget Boban. Are headed to the Sixers and headed to the Clippers. Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, Landry Shamit. Two first-round picks, including the all-so-valuable, potentially, um, the most coveted asset, draft asset in the NBA, the 2020 Miami unprotected first-round pick, as well as two second-round picks. Um, Jerry West and Lawrence Frank got a nice little coop there for their uh, their should-be all-star there in Tobias Harris. How do you like the fit for the Sixers, Dave? For the Sixers, it's a great move. They get Tobias Harris, another wing. You know, they now have one of the best starting lineups in the NBA. And they were, you know, in third and fourth in the East, you know, probably behind the Celtics and the Raptors and the Bucks. So this trade adding another weapon on the wing, adding another all-star, a multi-positional defender, an all-star caliber player to get ready through the playoffs. Because as, as we've seen last year, Ben Simmons, you know, the Celtics have had a lot of success taking him away. And beats injury concerns. You know, Jimmy Butler is you know a, clearly a difficult person to be around, and I'd adding say. Tobias Harris, you know, it kind of takes the pressure off uh, everyone. But but my main reaction from this trade is the Boban Tobias Harris bromance continues in uh, the city of brotherly love. Bobby I love it. Toby. I'm ready for all the Instagram videos. I'm ready for Boban to go to the Liberty Bell and run up the steps and do his best Rocky impression. I'm ready for it all, Kelly. I'm ready for it all. Bobby and Toby, I am. They're a tandem. 
They were not, you know, if one gets traded, they both get traded. We're, we're, we're a package deal, man. Um, package deal. I think, in my opinion, uh, I, I, got a man, I got a man crush on Tobias Harris. Like, the dude is a hooper who does not get the respect he deserves, and I'm trying to figure out why. He's been on, he's been on like five or six teams, and he's, he's 25 or 26, and the dude, he sh- I mean, quite frankly, he should have been an all-star this year. He's putting up 21 and 8, and the Clippers are, you know, within, I think they might, they're probably right there for the 8 seed right now. Um, I haven't looked at it in the last couple of days, but I mean, his fit in Philly, that is just the type of player they needed. You put him alongside um, Embiid, he's a spacer. Um, you know, you got now he, Jimmy, Tobias, um, or he, yeah, he, Jimmy, JJ, and, uh, I mean, Ben Simmons obviously can't shoot, but when you have four other guys who can knock him down from outside, that definitely makes up for it. Um, the only the only concern I have from the Sixers' perspective is going all in and giving up those assets for players. Um, for a player, I mean, he this this trade as much as Boban and Mike Scott, like Mike Scott will play, um, you know, meaningful minutes. He'll play probably fifteen minutes a game for for the Sixers. But this trade was for Tobias Harris. And, you know, like Jimmy, he's his contract's up at the end of this season. Um, and to give up that type of draft capital for a player who you're not even sure is going to be around past the end of the season is, is very risky. And Ellen, Ellen Brand's got a pair uh, for sure. The dude's uh, he's got some stones, as they say. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I really like the fit um, and as, assuming – Jimmy Butler and uh, Tobias Harris are able to get re-signed. I'm, I'm not really sure if Jimmy, as you said, he's kind of a malcontent. He uh, seems to be kind of wreaking havoc anywhere he goes. So I'm not sure um, if if he's there for the long term or not. But, um, I mean, if it came down to it and the Sixers, and just for luxury tax reasons and all that, would you rather have Tobias Harris on a max deal or Jimmy Butler on a max deal? I'd probably choose Tobias Harris just from the, the teammate concern. Jimmy, you know, listening to him on different podcasts and giving different interviews. You know, our our college coach has this has this great term called me first, which is that when is when you put yourself above the team and and it seems like Jimmy Butler's just a big, you know, he's vocally out in the media talking about, you know, the team winning championships, but he's only doing that if, if you know, he's the man, he's the guy, he's getting all the shots, all the love. You know, he's a very me-first focused player. Yeah, it's... But one of the other reasons why I love this trade for the Sixers is that they are doing what the Celtics have refused to do the last few years, which is the East is wide open this year. Anyone can make the finals. And they're saying, you know what? We're going all in. We're going to do whatever it takes to make the finals and at least challenge the Warriors. The Celtics, on the other hand, have had opportunities to get all-star caliber players like Paul George, Anthony Davis, Jimmy Butler, and, you know, they they just haven't decided to make those moves. And I was shocked the Celtics didn't make a move yesterday, which is why I love the Sixers move. The Sixers are saying we are going all in to make the finals. Yeah, no. I love it. I'm a fan. And then they obviously, they dumped Fultz. I feel like that's something that had to happen. Um, I'm, had I, to happen. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not high on him. I don't think anyone's high on him, but I am. I do happen to be higher on him than Frankie Smokes, but uh, we, we kind of touched on that earlier. But I think I think him getting a fresh yeah. start in Orlando is good, but 
the return they got Jonathan Simmons. Um, I mean, we got, we got to face it. Markel Fultz, he was a sunk cost. So you, you can't dwell on the fact that he was the number one overall pick anymore. If you're Philadelphia, you kind of got to move on and, and kind of regroup. And I think they did that. Jonathan Simmons, you know, he's not, he's not certainly not an all-star, but he's going to be very effective as a, as a wing for, for the Sixers. And I could see him playing a role for that team kind of in the same vein that Marcus Smart does for the Celtics, just kind of like a glue guy. Um, you know, a gritty defender, all of that. Um, so, so I, you know, I think that trade made a lot of sense. But yeah, I mean, Tobias Harris. If you had gave me my pick between Tobias and Jimmy Butler, I'm taking Tobias ten times out of ten. You know, his attitude, like you said, um, Jimmy's about uh, he himself and uh, the third stringers. Um, you get that? <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I. Philadelphia says they're willing to keep all four or pay all four because Ben Simmons is also eligible for a a contract extension this offseason. But I just financially you you can't you can't have four max guys on your team. It's just not it's not yeah, feasible unless can't. I mean unless it, it's just it's not possible. You're, you're not going to be paying that type of luxury tax money uh, to keep these guys. Um, shout out Rodney Hood shooting threes out here for the Blazers. Um, in his new town um but it's let's transition to the clippers real quick because yeah, yeah. i think that they also made a great move this is a classic win-win for both teams the clippers you know have their pick owned by the Celtics this year lottery protected now losing harris they're not going to be a playoff team that pick as kelly's went earlier will remain with the clippers if they do not make the playoffs that's another asset that the celtics have lost in any potential future trade negotiations so you get hopefully their lottery pick back, and they cleared cap space. So now they have, I think you can correct me, at least one, maybe two max contract slots. Kawhi Leonard, anybody? Yeah. No. And they have these future draft capital. You know, Anthony Davis. You know, he says he wants to go to L.A., but you know, the, I, I, you know, I don't know if he knows being in the NBA for five or six years. But the, uh, but the Clippers also play at Staples Center. <laughs> yeah, and you I know, think the so, Clippers, uh, in, in, you know, in a in a deal for Anthony Davis, I think right now you can make the argument that the Clippers actually have a better package to send for AD if he's interested in the Clippers, as he says, um, than the Lakers do. If you put you put Shea, Montrez, Harrell, uh, we could throw in Lou Williams if you'd like. This Miami pick is very very attractive. Their own first round pick is very pick. very attractive. Um, they have a couple other picks as well. Um, I I think what they're doing, and just like the Knicks, they have cap space. But unlike the Knicks, they actually have a competent roster. Um, that's right on the fringe of the playoffs right now, so they're not totally desperate. And if they strike out in free agency, um, or don't get the top tier free agents, it is not the end of the world, as it is um in the Big Apple. But um, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I think I think what the Clippers are doing. Um, I mean Jerry West. Jerry West strikes again. He uh that's uh for Great a guy for move. for a free agent in Harris who I mean maybe it was 50-50 he was going to resign, probably not even that. Um to get the type of haul that they got for him I think is huge. It was a great move all around. Yeah. Great move. Yeah. And so and another one, you know, we'll we'll see the 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 full, you know, 
endings and full judgments of this trade once those draft picks are conveyed and selected and what these teams do with the cap space and the draft picks that, that they have. Yeah. So moving on to the next trade. Yeah. Gri- so, Grizzlies Raptors. Yeah, this one was uh this one was interesting. I uh you know, I have mixed feelings on Marcus Saul, but but before we get into that, just to kinda lay out the deal for you, it was Marcus Saul, the younger brother of Pau Gasol, future Hall of Famer. Uh, was traded to the Raptors for Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, C.J. Miles, and a second-round pick. So I'm going to just give you my two cents real quick, and then you jump in and give me your thoughts. Um, Marcus All, he, he former All-Star, former Defensive Player of the Year. Um, neither of those things now, although he's still you know a competent defender, um, and I think that will pay dividends come the postseason when. You know, someone's going to have to guard Joel Embiid. Someone's going to have to guard Al Horford. Um, you know, Gasol will be able to do that. But I don't really think this moves the needle um, for Toronto in the same way that the Tobias Harris trade moves the needle for the 76ers. I think, um, I mean, ultimately, they're, they're so deep that giving up Valanciunas, Wright, and C.J. Miles really is not going to hurt them all that much. Um, but... I, I is Marcus Saul going to play alongside Serge Ibaka, or is it going to be Marcus Saul and Noah Ibaka, or Ibaka and Noah Gasol? I just I'm not really sure what Gasol's role is going to be with the Raptors, and I, I respect Masai because he's going all in in a similar way to um, what Elton Brand's doing this season because Gasol's contract, just like Kawhi's, Kawhi Leonard's, expires at the end of the season, so. In both Philadelphia and Toronto, it's almost a, you know, three-month audition for these organizations to sell these guys that, you know, this is the place to be, this is where you want to stay, which is part of the reason the playoffs, um, in particular in the East, are going to be so interesting because, you know, if, if Boston has success, Kyrie might stay. If they don't, he'll, he's probably going to leave. Likewise in Toronto and um, and Philly. So, so the playoffs are going to have a, a huge bearing on where these guys sign, but in, in this particular deal, I just, I mean, I like Marcus Gasol um, as a player, and he, you know, he seems like a, a nice jovial guy, but uh, in terms of, you know, helping Toronto or bettering their chances at a championship, I don't really think this, you know, helped them or improve their chances all that much. I think this is a reactionary move to not only the the fact that the 76ers made it a big addition to the roster, but that the Clippers cleared cap space for Kawhi Leonard. That's so you go and you get a guy who will help you in the playoffs, as you said, playing defense. He can lead the second unit. I don't think he'll start that starting five with the Raptors right now is really good. And I think he'll probably come off the bench and lead that second unit. What you're doing is that you're telling Kawhi Leonard, hey, we will go all in. You know, the Clippers, you know, the Clippers are now a real threat to get him because they have the cap space now to get him. And this is, I thought that this was a reactionary move to the 76ers going in and also reactionary. is like, oh, the Clippers are in play for our guy who we're trying to keep in Toronto. And this is just us trying to keep Kawhi Leonard. I think it's a buy low on Gasol. I think they probably could have gotten a little more. I'm surprised they only had to give up a second-round pick and, you know, complimentary pieces, especially for a team that is going through a full rebuild. And 
I think this is a move that doesn't move the needle. I, I mean, I think it moves the needle more than you're saying, but it's not going to put the Raptors over the edge. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of how what you're saying in terms of the assets that um, Toronto had to send out, I think it's, I mean, Marcus Saul is on a player option. I think his option for next year is for $25 million, I want to say. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, he either opts in and takes the 25. But if I were him, I'd probably, I'd look somewhere in the ballpark of like three for 50, three for 60, if I could get that. Just because, I mean, centers usually don't age gracefully. And although he plays um, in a style that doesn't really, he's not so reliant on his athleticism, I think locking up that long-term money might make sense for him. Um, But I think that's a good point that you made. This is kind of selling Kawhi that we're, I mean, Masai and and Nick Nurse, they're all in. They're doing all they can. I would have Mm -hmm. liked to have seen. I know there were rumors going around that uh, Kyle Lowry was in trade talks. If somehow, I mean, I love Kyle Lowry as a player. Um, I don't really like his attitude at times. I feel like he kind of sulks on the court. Um, But uh, Mm -hmm. I I think if they – who do you think's a better player straight up, Mike Conley or Kyle Lowry? I think Mike Conley's better. I think that if Kyle Lowry was in the West, he would have the same number of All Star appearances as Mike Conley would. Zero, <laughs> zero. And I think if you put Mike Conley in the East, he'd have he'd be a multi time All Star. But that's that's my point exactly. I wish I would have liked to have seen um, somehow maybe you send Kyle Lowry to Utah assets from utah to memphis and then memphis sends mike conley to toronto if you if you substitute in mike conley for kyle lowry i think i think that is more of an impactful addition than this marcus all um addition is i mean i don't get me wrong i think marcus all is going to have a positive impact for toronto but i think it's a little overstated um in terms of you know how useful he's going to be there just because as i said he's athletically he's limited he memphis has played a slow pace and in i mean in the playoffs the pace will slow down a bit but i just i don't see his style of play being all that conducive next to Kawhi and pascal siakam and danny green and um i mean it'll be interesting to see and and i could be wrong but i just i just don't see it right now yeah i agree it's a it's a good move but it's also, you know, it leaves a lot to be desired of what also could have been. Yeah. All right. Let's let's get to the to the last big trade or substantial trade of the day. Um, Nikola Miritich to Milwaukee. The dude. Um, love it. Love, love it. Love it. Dude's a shooter. So Nikola Miritich went to Milwaukee. We got Stanley Johnson uh, trying to revive his career. He's been sent to New Orleans along with uh, Jason Smith, who's nothing more than. Uh, cap filler in this move with uh, two second round picks. Um, so I mean, Miritich unpack as he went from Detroit to Milwaukee. Hope he didn't unpack. Yeah, no. So Miritich, um, in the span of twelve months, he goes from uh, getting his ass knocked out by Bobby Portis to leading the Pelicans to a first round sweep along with Anthony Davis over the Blazers, and then uh, he finds himself back up in uh, in Milwaukee. Um, so like you said, I mean, I think this is a huge pickup for Milwaukee, just surrounding Giannis with shooters and shooters with size. Miritich is 6'10". Um, I mean, I, he, he could realistically play the five and 
you spread the floor for Giannis and give him room to operate. And I mean, we all see how dangerous that can be. So, I mean, I, I think I'm a fan. I think most people um, would think this is a good move. Um, I mean, he's just a spacer and you just, you give Giannis room and let him cook. So that, that's how I see it. I, I, I'm a huge Miritich fan and I, I would have liked to see, um, I mean, there were a ton of teams that he would have made sense for. I would have liked to see him in Utah personally. Um, but in Milwaukee with Bud, he's going to be, uh, I mean, he's going to be lethal. Yeah. I think the big concern is defensively in the, uh, in the postseason as the Warriors kind of attacked him on defense last year and, uh, in a series against, you know, the Celtics or, uh, now the 76ers, if, if, you know, making them switch on pick and rolls and stuff, if, uh, if they'll be able to have the same success picking apart Miritich on defense. But other than that, it's everything, as you said, it, you know, it just gives Giannis more room to operate because, you know, everyone thinks that, you know, the three-point revolution is causing all these teams to go smaller. The 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 Bucks can play a really big lineup now with Lopez and Middleton and Giannis and Miritich and Brogdon. They can play a lot of big dudes who can space the, can space the court. And I think that's a... Well, that... that that, yeah, that's that, that's important because as we talked about Philadelphia earlier, think about their starting five right now. We got we'll go from smallest to tallest. We got JJ Redick is we'll say he's six four, six three, six four. Yeah, he is. Ben, ben Simmons is on the train Ben Simmons is a six ten. Tobias Harris is six ten. Jimmy Butler is six eight. Joel Embiid is seven feet. You you you're not going to be able At to least. hang with these guys. Because they can play fast too. These are not just slow, plodding big guys. These guys get up and down. Mm-hmm. So to be able to trot up a lineup that has Giannis, 6'10, six, 6'11, six, six, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe is not that tall, but he is long as hell. Um, yeah. Miritich, if, if Bud can turn Brooke Lopez into a shooter in that system, imagine a guy who can actually shoot, Nikola Miritich, what he's going to do there. I could see Miritich averaging. 18 to 22 points with the Bucks, And he's taken over the minutes. Essentially what they just did was replace Don Maker with Miritich is what they did. It's a great move. The Who who even knows who the Bucks GM, but, you know. <laughs> I think it's is it John, of, of John Hammond are, maybe. John Hammond or is it, he's in, I don't even know, John Hammond or Horst or one of those two. But the people of Milwaukee are, are buying dinner and, and drinks for him tonight. It was, just a, it was just a great move. And it was really just the last major significant trade the most probably you know significant i think moment of the trade deadline was that you know the los angeles lakers acquired reggie bullock and that was their only you know major addition yeah is that that mike muscala i i think they also got but the lakers inactivity or inability to really move the needle on any davis talks i think is probably the the main takeaway that's going to carry through that like the main second half of the the season yeah i mean um the whole ad thing um i mean the magic magic johnson tried to give the pelicans he he proposed a herschel walker-esque offer um a godfather offer putting all the all the youngins on the table kuzma hart ball ingram uh zubak for and th- two or three picks for AD. Um, in my opinion, that's that's a haul. I'm not sure if I was Dell Demps if I would have accepted that. 
Um, but just given the the way in which the negotiations are going to take place and because the Celtics are unable to effectively trade for AD until this summer because they already have Kyrie who signed the rookie um, veteran extension that makes them ineligible to trade for AD since he is also on that and you cannot have two players on that uh, contract provision on the same team. So we have to wait for Kyrie to resign before they could trade for AD. I think it just makes the most sense to wait for this summer because ultimately nothing is going to change between now and then. And this has been, um, you know, talked to at length um, in the media, but Mm -hmm. Jason Tatum is probably the best asset long-term. And I would, it definitely depends who else the Celtics include, but if the Celtics can include Jason Tatum, um, you know, Terry Rozier and a couple picks, is that better than, the hall the Lakers wanted to offer or were willing to offer? I think that the Pelicans only turned down, you know, the quote-unquote Lakers godfather offer if they really think that they can get Jason Tatum this this offseason because Tatum is a, a dynamic young player who you can clearly, you know, envision building your team around as he's had a lot more success, albeit who's on a better team, but he's had a lot more success than a guy like Brandon Ingram who is touted as having all this potential but at least when you see Tatum, you know, you see it more as this guy's not only just a future all-star, but he could potentially be a future MVP. And I personally think that if you know that they only didn't make the deal with the Lakers because they think that they can get Tatum from the Celtics, because the Lakers offer is not going to get any better. And it actually could get worse if the Lakers move on and say, you know, hey, if Dane Lillard wants out in Portland, they use some of those those assets to go get him. All of a sudden, the Lakers aren't really as in play, and Davis, you know, only one year left. Everyone knows he wants out. You know, you lose leverage almost. So I think it's, I think it was a little surprising that it, from what was reported that the, the Pelicans were very unwilling to engage in talks. But the Celtics, you know, can have the best offer, but you know they've proven over time that they're not willing to go all in for these guys. I don't, I don't want to, uh, you know, go all Bill Simmons on you here, but are we sure that Jason Tatum is better than Brandon Ingram? Are, are we sure? I just, it, it's, it's. There's no question that Jason Tatum has regressed a bit this year, or is not taking the leap forward that many kind of expected him to take after, you know, he dunked on LeBron in the playoffs and kind of made a name for himself as the Celtics lost to the Cavs in seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals without uh, without Kyrie. But, I mean, if you put Brandon Ingram in or under the tutelage of Brad Stevens, are we sure he's not looked at as a more coveted asset in the league? Or is it is, is Jason Tatum um, kind of a product of his environment? I'm not saying he's a system player, but I just think if you put Brandon Ingram – in the situation with the teammates and with the responsibility um, that Jason Tatum holds in in Boston, I'm not so sure we'd be looking at Jason Tatum as such a superior player to Brandon Ingram. I think Tatum is clearly better, and I think that his regression is from you know Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving are back in the lineup, and you know those are two All Star players who need shots, they need the ball, and. Tatum just being a little lower on the totem pole, he's had to sacrifice a little and sacrifice for the team. And, you know, he's still playing well. He still has moments where you say, you know, wow. And 
you know, you, you can argue all you want about, you know, just the advantage of having Brad Stevens as coach instead of Luke Walton, but Ingram hasn't taken as big of a jump as I think a lot of people thought he would have. And Tatum has, because I think they're, you know, might be the same age, or Tatum's just one year younger too, so. Yeah, and I, th- I think we're not obviously not sure of anything, but I would want Tatum more than Ingram. I'm not saying I disagree, but I'm just saying I don't think it's as clear cut as people are making it out to be. I think they're uh, they're much closer, and you know, given a fresh start in New Orleans, um, I think I think that's a much closer call than just you know definitively saying Jason Tatum is the is the better asset or the better player. Um, and I think the other thing that's kind of important to know here is. Just by waiting for the summer with the with the Pelicans and from their perspective, they will at least know where some of these draft picks are going to be, um, where they would be selecting. So if they wanted to, I mean, the Knicks don't really have the assets now that they traded KP, I don't think. But if, if their pick turned out to be the first overall pick um, and you were guaranteed an opportunity to go after Zion, um, would that be worth it? And th- those are the types of questions that, you know, they don't have answers to now. And just by waiting, um, that offer from the Lakers, that's still going to be on the table in the summer. Um, the only kind of awkwardness is, you know, how you're going to deal with Anthony Davis for the rest of the season, because if he gets hurt, you're, you're shit out of luck and you can't really just, you know, sit him. You, you I mean, I guess you could, but, um, you know, the, the league would not be happy with that. Um, so, so that's the other thing to kind of keep in mind, but I think, uh, ultimately waiting was, was the right decision, whether he gets dealt to the Lakers or not. Um, it's probably, it's probably less likely now that, you know, the Celtics should be able to bid, but, um, if, if Kyrie is, is definitely leaving or looks as though he's, he's looking elsewhere and Davis is not going to resign. Um, I'm not sure how willing Danny Ainge would be to, give away a 20-year-old Jason Tatum for one-year rental of Anthony Davis on a team that, you know, might not even be the best in the East depending upon who resigns in Toronto and who resigns um, in Philly. And obviously Milwaukee's going to be coming back with Giannis. So that's that'll be interesting to keep an eye out. The other trade I really liked or was a fan of, um, not, not necessarily because I think he's going to have a great impact this year, um, and I know his contract's expiring, but that's Harrison Barnes to Sacramento. Um, I think if they could get him to re-sign there, that would be huge just because, I mean, free agents, maybe this will change given their recent success, but free agents for the, I mean, for a long while have not wanted to play there. Um, it's been kind of like the New York Knicks of the West Coast, if you will. Um, they, hurtful, man. Hurtful, but, yeah, but yeah, true. It's very true. Since Basically since C-Webb and, and Mike Bibby left, um, and I was like four or five, um, they've they've kind of been in the dumpsters. Um, but I just think getting Harrison Barnes there, like I said, his contract's expiring. But if they can kind of sell him on what they're doing there, and, uh, you know, he has a player option for $25 million next year, I believe. Um, so he'll accept. Right. So either he'll accept or they'll say, we'll give you – four for 80 and maybe he stays long term long term there um but but if they can get him to stay there and you pair harrison barnes buddy heel darren fox i i mean we could talk about this in future episodes if you want but i I, i'm i think his ceiling for players let's say 23 24 and below 
is as high as there is out there. I think he is first yeah, team, we'll have to wait first for, team uh, all NBA potential. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to wait to do a true Kings, you know, deep dive when when Harry can join us as as he is a he's all in on uh on the Kings. But speaking as from what you said earlier on uh, an upcoming event that the Pelicans should be worried about regarding Davis is uh did you see that uh that he was named to the All Star team, Kelly? You're talking about Anthony Davis, of course. And oh yeah, and did you so, see so, that? Uh, so the All Star draft is what we're going to get at next quickly. Um, so and did you see that uh, LeBron drafted Anthony Davis and made a uh, faint tampering joke? Yeah, I did. LeBron is uh, he's quite the comedian when he wants to be. He's uh, he's all laughs and giggles uh, for the cameras. Did you see uh did? I mean, did you see Trainwreck? He was he was very funny next to Bill Hader and Amy Schumer in that movie. But yeah, yeah, he's a uh, pure comedy. Um, yeah, but so for those of you who didn't see, LeBron went out of his way to basically select every about to be free agent or potential trade target that the Lakers could potentially target this offseason, um, and decided to draft all of them onto his All Star team, and then upon seeing Giannis draft Ben Simmons. Um, a fellow clutch client of LeBron, the agency that he uh, <laughs> owns. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, that Rich Paul owns. Yeah, we're yeah. not trying to Le- Le- get, LeBron get doesn't have that any, here for yeah. uh, for defamation. Right. So um, he decided to propose a trade to have Ben Simmons, which got me thinking. You know, is it possible with uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid? Is there a little you know Penny Shack situation where Ben Simmons all of a sudden? you know, wants out because, I mean, theoretically, he could he could do the same. I'm going to accept a qualifying offer a la Chris Stops if he goes that path and join LeBron in L.A., um, but I digress. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the All-Star draft, it, it was it was funny. Charles Barkley had the line of the night. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, but uh, after LeBron made that trade for Ben Simmons, uh, they they asked Chuck for his reaction. Chuck said, uh, "I think it'd only be fair if uh, Giannis or if LeBron traded his whole bench for Anthony Davis." And uh, <laughs> that got a good little laugh out of everyone. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, sometimes Chuck, you know, belabors points a little bit, but I uh, I think I think uh, I think that was the line of the night right there. I mean. If we don't have, you know, a thousand microphones and cameras working the all-star weekend practices and just following them around, you know, true, true, like, coverage of every moment to pick up every line and soundbite. TMZ, shout out to you guys, you know, because tampering is going to happen. The NBA will say it doesn't happen, but LeBron, the king of tampering. You know, is going to talk to Anthony Davis. Hey, yeah, you know, the weather's great. You know, clutch sports. Our offices are right downtown. You get to come and play with me, and we'll we'll take down the Warriors. And you know, they have Durant, hopefully. So, hey, you know, the Lakers are a great place to be. I mean, I thought I thought LeBron was going to go Kyrie first pick. Um, you know, but then he went he went KD, and that's kind of off people's radar. You know, people either think KD is going to sign in. He's either going to sign re-up in golden state or he's going to go to new york people don't really give it you know much thought that he could potentially you know travel south and uh play in the uh you know santa monica area little 
little Los Angeles connection with LeBron. Now I don't see that. Um, and maybe I don't see it. Maybe either. maybe LeBron was just trying to throw us off the scent a little bit, and then taking Kyrie second overall. Because if he would have taken Kyrie first overall, everyone's antennas would have would have risen a little bit. Um, but I think I think LeBron's strategy great, strategy great head fake by LeBron. What was that? Great head fake by LeBron. Oh yeah, great great head fake great by pump LeBron. fake. Great pump fake. Um, I think um, I think LeBron's strategy was solid. The Lakers they don't look like they're going to be going anywhere this year, so um, you know it's never too never too early to plan for the future. So that's that's kind of what he was doing there. Um, but I mean that that was that was a fun fun draft, and Bradley Beal went last in the starters. Um, I thought that was fine. I mean he's the dude's absolutely balling out right now. If he wasn't on the if he wasn't on the Wizards, the sorry Wizards. Um, I mean that that dude is a he he should be an All NBA player this year on a team that's not even going to sniff the playoffs and that's that's pretty impressive. He is doing everything for Washington just to keep them competitive on a nightly basis. Um, but like he was so he was the final pick of the starters and then Giannis for some reason I have no idea took D'Angelo Russell and Nikola Vucevic like with his like fifth and sixth picks. So those were the two guys who I would have thought would have been the last overall picks. Um, and so those guys got off the board, and then the final pick ended up being it, – it was down to uh, Kyle Lowry, and I don't – do you remember who went last? To be honest, I don't. But I'm, I love the draft. I love that it was televised. I love that it was on TNT. And I think this needs to be a, a yearly occurrence, you know. I – Next year, I want these guys in studio, and I don't want the draft, you know, a week before the game. I want it on the court, pickup basketball style, you know. I don't want guys to know who they're playing for until literally five minutes before tip-off. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that. And actually, um, so the whole reason the NBA, the reason they didn't want to do this, uh, this all-star draft was because they thought people were going to make fun of who went picked last, and... Uh, kind of funny that we can't even recall who was picked last because they did they did do those special editions where so i guess technically Dwayne wade and dirk were chosen last um mm-hmm. but in terms of the players themselves that actually earned a spot into the game i do not recall who was chosen last and that's the sole reason why it wasn't televised so that's kind of funny well well, this year also with with LeBron being a captain, it was it was almost a who was he going to pick first? Was he going to pick, you know, Kyrie? That that was the big question going into it. Would Kyrie Irving be picked first by LeBron? You know, causing a a Twitter storm. But I'm all in favor of the draft. Love it. Love All Star Weekend. I think they should draft the other events too. I think they should get you know NBA legends who have retired. You know, why not have Dominique Wilkins? You know, draft the dunk contest. And you just have teams of dunkers. It's Dominique versus Jordan, but in the dunk contest, or Reggie Miller and Steve Nash in the three-point contest. I think that would be a lot of fun. For, the three you know. three-point contest. We got we got shooters in there. Dunkers. They don't really bring the name recognition, but for those people who you know are diehards and follow the NBA and kind of have a have a feel for these guys and their athleticism. The guys in this dunk contest, they do not carry the name cachet of, you know, the LeBrons and the Russell Westbrooks and these Blake Griffins and so on. 
But these guys, Dennis Smith Jr., man, can jump. Hamadou Diallo can jump. These guys, they That's might. That's the guy. Right. They might not be the best basketball players, but they are the best athletes in the NBA, and they're going to put on a show. So that'll be fun to watch. Um, watch out for Hamadou Diallo. He's the favorite. Watch out for him. He can fly. Yeah, I mean, if you're a second-round pick and you're in the dunk contest, you better have something something crazy that you're capable of pulling off because if you can't, there's no reason for you to be there, obviously. So we know he's, he's going to do something special. Um, so obviously this is our first episode. Dave, is there anything else you want to touch on non-basketball related? Non-basketball related. Both, both of us big Yankee fans and uh, – Bryce Harper's still out there. Don't know what we're doing. You know, Hal Steimer says today, you know, we're not done until I say we're done or, like, we're never done. And all I'm saying is Aaron Judge said that he would play center field. You know, I don't know who our first baseman is, but I know Bryce Harper can play first base. He's an athlete. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't think baseball players are, uh, are athletes, but let me tell you, he's they a, are. He's a $300 million and dollar athlete, said, I, and he's, he's, waiting for, uh, he's waiting to secure that bag. He's a $300 million athlete. Uh, just waiting to get paid. But uh, no, seriously, if I were the Yankees, I know they have they got staying on the books for big money, and that's that's an albatross of a contract. And it, I mean, maybe not yet, but it's it's going to be thirteen years, three hundred twenty-five million. That hurts to just say out loud um, as a Yankees fan. But that's it's the bed, and they made it. Um, I think. If you, but it, when did it, we turn into the Mets, Kelly? When did we turn into the Mets where we were afraid to go out and get the best players in baseball? Hey, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell other people how to spend their money. Um, but if, if if you're serious about winning a championship, and you have an opportunity to sign either Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, um, you do it. I mean, you do it. it, it what, what, there's no such thing. This is this is a philosophy I have. There is no such thing as a bad one-year contract in, in any sport. Um, mm-hmm. Short-term contracts, same situation. You know, you're, you're not tied down. There's nothing worse than those Elbert Pujols, 10-year, $240 million contract, Robinson Cano, um, and things of those, yeah, those nature. John Carlos bad. Stanton, like we were just, we were just talking about. Um, so I don't, I don't see why the Yankees wouldn't give, you know, three years – 110 million dollars to harper or and let him test the market again before he's 30 if you if he so chooses um but i just i don't think from their perspective they would be willing to give out another contract say you know seven eight years 220 250 million dollars they're not going to do that when they already have Stanton on the books they're going to have to pay judge they're going to have to pay glaber torres they're going to have to pay severino um, Sanchez, so they have a lot of guys coming up that they're going to have to pay eventually, and I just don't think adding another monster contract is going to. It, I just don't really think it's that feasible. But you're paying a guy, you know, he's he's 26. You're, you're Cano and Pujols were 32, and A Rod were 32 when they hit the market. Harper's 26, so you're going to get those first six years of in his prime on that 10 year deal where the deal's going to expire. You know when he's 35, 36 years old, and not forty-two. Yeah, I mean, and I, not get the huge yeah, decline years. I think I, I see where you're coming from, and I'm a Yankee fan, and I want them to sign one of those guys as bad as anyone. But I, I understand why they're not. Um, but just as a general baseball fan, 
this free agency thing and this lack of lack of player movement and lack of decisiveness and just lack of overall clarity in terms of what is going to happen this season with spring training literally days away um days away it's it's you know it's frustrating and it's i don't want to say teams are colluding because i'm not sure that they are but it's just very uh it's very fishy that none of these guys are being signed and it's the second year in a row um I think something's got to change. I don't really have the answer. I'd have to really think about it. But um, I think of all the major sports, like obviously football, they've had some deals or issues in the past. But I think I think there's a real um, there, there's a serious chance that Major League Baseball has a work stoppage just because th- there's some it's tension bad. tension between the unions. Or the union and the uh, the league, and you know this is not this is not helping things at all. Speaking of changing subjects to, to the NFL, did you see the Maroon Five concert on a uh, on last Sunday? Yeah, that was um, as that was yeah. the most exciting event of the of the Super Bowl. Yeah, Maroon Scott. We had uh, we had Big Boy out there, um, Travis Scott. Um, I think it was fireworks. Uh, yeah, it was almost as lame as the game. Yeah, I mean, golf looked overwhelmed from the national anthem on. Never got in a rhythm. McVay, shout out whoever tweeted this, said that the only player Sean McVay ever forgot was Todd Gurley. And you know, you know he's going to be, you know, he's going to come out in a month or whatever. That he's going to have some type of knee procedure, and you know that's what teams can't do because he's not listed on the injury report. It affects the gambling lines. It affects everything. And, you know, withholding that information is, is something that the league is trying to crack down on. But anyway, where do the Rams go from here? We, we know the Patriots will be back. As long as Brady's under center, they'll be back playing it, playing it in important games. Where do the Rams go from here? Because they went all in th- this season. I, where do they go from here? I think um, I'm not sure if Sean McVay or Les Snead, uh, the Rams GM, would do this. But I believe that there are no less than 15 to 20 quarterbacks in the NFL currently that could do exactly what Jared Goff was asked to do this season. Um, So my point being that don't pay the man. If he does not want to accept a discount, like I'm I'm not giving him, you know, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers type money. I'm not giving him 25 to 28 million a year. If he doesn't want to play for 15, 18 million a year, uh, Jared, you could pack your bags and uh, go play elsewhere. Um, I'm, I mean, I, I'd be willing to draft a quarterback and let him play out his rookie deal because I really think the way McVay coaches his offense, um, it's 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 very systematic. And I'm not I'm not an X's and O football guy, but just just from the look of things. I, I don't think it's very hard for someone with experience and someone with, um, you know, the ability to throw the football and, you know, the, the headspace and wherewithal to understand what's going on to be successful in that offense. I, I, I was not sold on Jared Goff coming out of Cal. His rookie year under Jeff Fisher, um, I mean. Atrocious. Yeah, atrocious. But a lot of people have been atrocious under uh, Jeff Fisher, the 8-8 eight and eight, um, coach in perpetuity. Um, 
I, I just that, that God, would, that, I, I, I'm knows. not saying I'm not saying the Rams should do that or will do that, but that's something I would consider. I would not break the bank for Jared Goff. The dude looked like he was a deer in headlights the entire postseason, and pretty much for the basically when the weather got cold, the dude shrunk. And um, yeah, so I mean, he was playing sea level football, and if he's if he chose to actually you know play like the first overall pick that he was selected to be um perhaps they would have won the super bowl um i mean there's also the chance that those refs in in new orleans call that pass interference call and they're not even in the super bowl um but that's a whole nother conversation or or the the you know the patriots call tails yeah and and it's the chiefs so and anyway but the Super Bowl, you know, the last couple of years we've had incredibly exciting games, and this year, you know, regressed back. Yeah, we were. Game, uh, you know, we always deserved it. A, a defensive battle, not, not even a defensive battle, but a, a Jared Goff isn't ready for prime time battle versus the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, we were. We were due but for. We due for a dud. Back. All right, let's let's wrap yeah. up on this on this right here. I got a I got a question for you. Is uh-huh. out of all the assets in the entire NBA. This includes young players, mm-hmm. everyone else. Is Zion Williamson right now a top five NBA asset? He's in the top three. Top Zion Williamson's top three. So you're telling me you're all in. I am all in. If, if I could get Zion Williamson's head tattooed on my body, I would do it. He's, he's a transcendent NBA player. He's going to dominate the league. We've never seen anyone like him at his, his size. His athleticism, his his skill. He's a tremendous passer, great ball handling. You know, our friend Jordan, who will hopefully be joining us on this podcast, you know, coached with St. John's against him, said that it was not even close comparing him to the other players on the court. He was that much better. He, he was jo- the best athlete Jordan has ever seen. He told me that same thing, and I was trying to play a little devil's advocate. He Jordan actually, the way he phrased it to me was Zion Williamson is the best basketball or the best athlete to ever step foot on a basketball court. And I, I thought about he that for a, he, thought about that for a second. And my response was, that's debatable. And then Jordan's response was, okay, but Zion wins the debate. And so I proposed LeBron James. I proposed Vince Carter. And I just do Michael Jordan in there because if you just say someone's a better athlete than Michael Jordan – um, I think you can be jailed in like 48 of the 50 states. Um, but mm-hmm. Jordan basically Nevada's said, a little off. Yeah. Jordan said it was no contest. I think I think Utah uh, you can't be jailed in because uh, they still think he pushed off on Byron Russell. and Because uh, he did. Yeah. Ohio. Craig Elo. That shot over Craig Elo has, uh, has done damage. Um, but, I mean, yeah, Zion, he's a freak athlete. The only thing I'm a little concerned on is his jump shot. I don't really think he's uh, – He's a shooter, and his free throws aren't great, so I'm not totally encouraged there. But if he can get that facet of his game um, out of the gutter, the dude is a freak athlete defense-wise. Defense he's a brick wall who he can guard you know, guards, and he can push around bigs. If he was in the NBA right now, he would be the second heaviest player in the league. And the dude is built like a Mack truck. Yeah. So this is this is not, you know, fat shaming or a fat joke, but he, he's gonna have to lose some weight just for the longevity um of his career. It's just it's not he's gotta get down to 
I would say 260. Um, he's got to drop about 25 he pounds will. to keep that explosiveness um, just because it's not good for the wear and tear on his knees. But, I mean, aside from that, I wouldn't go so far as to say he's a top five asset just because I'm taking known quantities over college kids who can't shoot. Um, but he's a freak athlete, um, as I've said about 12 times now. And I, I, I See, I'm not <laughs> concerned at all about the jumper. He spent the last four years, you know, he's, he's a guy who spent his whole high school career, AAU summer, you know, the last four years, including college where he can do whatever he wants on the basketball court without needing a jump shot. And, you know, I have full faith that he will turn into a capable jump shooter in the NBA, mainly because he's, you know, he doesn't, he's, he's not even 19 yet. He's going to get the reps. He's going to, you know, you're talking about his body. In an NBA strength and conditioning program, he will, you know, he will trim down, stay more explosive, get, if you believe it, stronger. And, you know, the jumper's going to come. He, He's a guy who has never had to take a jump shot in his life. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm if if he can get the jump shot just to a serviceable level and you know get out of the uh, Ben Simmons stratosphere, if you will. Um, I mean, at least Zion attempts jump shots, whereas Ben Simmons, uh, I mean, he won't. Dude won't even think about taking a jump shot. Um, but that that's that's a different story. Um, I think, I mean, in terms of just NBA assets, quickly off the top of my head, who I would take over Zion, Tatum, Doncic, Fox. I mean, that, that that's three youngins, but, I mean, there's some other, Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons. There's there's a bunch of guys. Um, but I'm, Fox, you know, but 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 Fox, to use your own asset against you, when, when he was a rookie coming into the draft, and as a rookie, he was a he was a bad shooter. He was a guy who couldn't shoot. And, you know, he might have been a little further along than Zion, but now he's turned into a serviceable shooter. You know, things happen when you turn into a professional. You know, Duke is an academic institution in the United States of America. Bro, Those guys, Zion, Zion class, has not stepped they do their in, homework. in a classroom this spring, bro. He's, he, he knows he's going to the league. Zion has not gone to a class this whole spring. Duke, Duke this, Duke that. He, Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett are living in the gym, working on his jump shot. The returns just aren't there yet. I'm not saying they won't come, but in my eyes, I'm taking a known quantity 10 times out of 10 over some college kid, no matter how athletic he is. Now, I, he, he's making kids on, you know, these ACC squads. And, I mean, the dude at Gonzaga, he's, make, he's making these kids look like JV players in high school, which is, I mean, the second he walks on an NBA court, he's the best athlete hands down on the court. Um, you know, that argument I have with Jordan, I, I, I think I do believe that Zion might be the best athlete ever, which is ridiculous to say. Um, so, I mean, if you give the most, the best athlete of all time, a serviceable jumper, um, good luck. Uh, yeah, but I mean, a lot of it's going to come down to situation and fit. Um, but I mean, the kid plays, plays his nuts off and plays hard. So. I mean, from that from that standpoint, that's really all you can ask for. Kel, this was a great first episode. We got through a lot of lot lot of topics, and uh, it was a lot of fun, man. And you know, in a few days, when when things are shaking out a little bit with the post deadline, we'll have a lot of more reactions. Yeah, you. hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll get on get back on the on the circuit next week, and uh, maybe if uh, Harry at that time uh, has has some free time, and hopefully his. 
his hoop dreams are uh, are coming to fruition up in uh, Sioux Falls. Um, he can join us and Jordan. Hopefully, uh, they get a dub against Providence this weekend. And uh, you know, Chris Mullen doesn't have him working too hard, so uh, he can join us as well. Yep, roll cards, baby. That's it. That's it for the double double. We'll catch you guys next week. Um, just want to thank our sponsors, um, Indochino and uh, Blue Apron. Thanks, guys. <laughs>